Hello folks, welcome to On The Calls, season two, well, the last for the season. Produced by the stars among us, I'm Ozzy, and I appreciate you for tuning in to this thank you tour, which offers a thank you card to a person in my life who has impacted me, Sean Michael Field. How are you, Sean? I'm doing well, and yourself? I am doing hunky-dory. I'm glad that you found uh, some time to offer me being the very person that, busy person that you are, yeah. um, especially to close this second season. You're welcome. Thank so, you. Sean, we uh, met right around 9-11. Uh, yes. At that time, I was in the fashion industry and... Um, I was doing a fashion show to help the fire departments, etc., for 9/11. Do you remember that time? Yeah, it was. Um, I remember when I when we first met. That was in Barbados. You came down to be a judge uh, for a contest that was happening there to choose a model, and then um, I ended up coming up to New York, and we ended up doing the show and. It was right around, you know, the one-year anniversary of um, of 9/11. Very interesting time. It's funny. I even forgot about that fashion show, but I do remember <laughs> the fun times I had down there. Yeah, um, yeah. Soon after I went back to Barbados, you had wanted to do a magazine for the fashion, and I uh, I, I did the small size magazine, from what I remember. Um, and I had just was getting ready to go on my own um, in doing some design work and stuff, or I was doing my own stuff and, and getting ready to collaborate in a, in a bigger company. So it was kind of like perfect timing to come together and work on that. What I remembered about you was that on you were able to actually bring my thoughts and idea to life in a way that I had not experienced before. You know, you, you, you work with a lot of people and you speak with them and they can be right in front of you and you can explain things back and forth. And what you try to, to realize does not happen. You and I was were conversing over the phone. Yeah. And you were able to make this thing happen to the point where I still have that copy <laughs> of that magazine ended up being a very tiny magazine but it was just it was flawless what you were able to do and, and you were able to do it in, in, a, in such a quick time that that it astounded me let me know that you have a mind that is just one that i want to have around me and one that i think the world will be able to experience for its um openness and precision and creativity and its attention to time i mean so many things that happened in that time with an overseas call i i was always looking to see what your future would be right. and and now you're an award-winning filmmaker producer writer entrepreneur cinematographer director through you my trailer, with the help of Philip Cocciolari, who I had on last week, hey, became, became a reality. And not in the two weeks initially that we had thought, but in two, two, two and a half days, something like that. 
Yeah. And it was because again of you, because Philip had the foresight to say, okay, this we're gonna do it. And I'm gonna be in charge of this and you're gonna be in charge of that. But then in person to pull it together was you. Again, there you are, but you pulled it together so precisely. And that was back in 20, was it 2012? It was 9-11. Yeah. And then, so, you know, you're talking approximately 10 years later. Yeah. <sighs> you went to college, etc. Yeah. What was that thing that got you into the graphics and then doing something on your own? Why wasn't it a nine to five thing for you? You know? Oh, it, I think it has everything to do with how I grew up in Barbados. Um, my dad has six brothers and one sister, and they're all born a year apart. Um, and growing up, I don't remember any of them working for someone, um, with maybe the exception of Uncle John, who was an accountant. Um, you know, my dad did had his own company. My uncle, he worked for the newspaper, but he started the newspaper. So it was, you know, part and parcel of, you know, his own company. Um, you know, my other uncle, he taught tennis. My other uncle made and manufactured garments. Um, you know, my aunt did her own business. So every one of my family members, and um, going back to my grandfather, he had his own business. Uh, uh -huh. we, you know, everyone worked for themselves. Uh -huh. um, and they're a very creative, artistic family. So again, growing up, you know, we were at each other's house every day because when you have seven brothers, you know, you're all a year apart. <laughs> and then you all have kids. There's there's 14 offspring, three of them born in the same year. You spend a lot of time together. Um, and you spend a lot of time singing and making music and just being extremely creative. And that, you know, propelled me throughout school. And then, you know, they didn't get the opportunity to finish uh, their education because my grandfather died when they were all young, relatively young. So they had to go to work, um, you know, some of them before they were, you know, 11 years old and they couldn't finish school. So they were all self-taught. Uh, so one of the biggest things was to go to school. So I was the first in the family to go to university and get a degree. And, but I, I also just grew up a nerd. So, you know, I think it's just, it's the drive from the way that I was raised back home in Barbados that really set the tone for a lot of this. Mm -hmm. So you got into graphics. And what was the next step right after? Um, right after I graduated with my degree in graphic design, I went to work for Southwestern Bell and I was a computer programmer. I did COBOL, um, which came to light during the pandemic here. Uh, they needed COBOL programmers because a lot of the mainframe uh, software was COBOL still uh, for a lot of the paying systems. So a lot of COBOL programmers ended up being a necessity during the pandemic. Wow. Uh, but I did that and then I jumped into uh, corporate internet security uh, and then I moved back um, to Barbados um, and started to do work on my own again in uh, design. And that's graphic design. Yeah. Um, and so then I left that, um, moving to LA uh, to pursue my true passion, which is film. What yeah. was the catalyst to get you, get you from the behind the computer to in front of the camera? I always loved acting. I had been in theater um, when I was young. I was in my first TV commercial when I was five for KFC with my dad in Barbados, and it's just always been something that I love to do. I do a lot of character voices and these types of things. Uh, again, coming from that family, you, you do a lot of that. 
eventually I got to a point where I realized that being a graphic artist was not going to get me to the places that I wanted to get to in life. To so at that time, get. what were your dreams? Make films. You know, really explore the creative element that is in a film where you get the avenue to express um, vocally, verbally, visually, you know, cinematography. Like, there's so many different ways of expression in a film. Um, so you get to say a lot in that in that platform. Um, and, and I think it has a, a certain type of uh, life. And, you know, essentially you go in with your eyes wide open, but then you have to learn the business of it. And <laughs> once you learn the business of it, then you start to understand the difficulty in getting some of that creativeness out there. Um, so again, I took the self path and I started to create my own film, um, which have proved to be beneficial in certain lights, but, you know, I would certainly love a studio film as well. And some studio backing um, for one of the 19 ideas that I have uh, written out, ready to kind of almost roll. You had begun to do some things in Barbados or with MTV and whatnot. So talk to me yeah. about that a little bit, that life. Yeah. Um, so while still doing the graphic design stuff, uh, MTV uh, decided to start a Caribbean channel. And I saw the article in the newspaper and I, you know, saw a friend's name in it and I contacted her and I said, you've got to get me on there. You know, this, this is, this is my path. <laughs> um, and, you know, 10 months later, they were in Barbados, um, you know, and they were, uh, Rihanna was going to perform, um, you know, for the first time. Um, and, you know, it wasn't like the big Rihanna that she is now. It was, you know, her first album, her first song. It wasn't as huge. So we were at the plantation. It was a small thing. And I uh, saw the human resource person and the owner, and I was upset that they hadn't hired me. And, you know, I gave them some chat and they didn't, you know, it didn't happen, um, but we ended up hitting it off. And um, almost 10 months later, I get the call from them. Hey, are you at Barbados? Yeah, we'd like you to host these two TV shows for us during Crop Over. Um, and it took off from there. I was like, oh, sure, yeah, let's, let's go. Um, what was the show so about? remember me. Um, there was two shows that they already had on. Um, yeah, so one was about, you know, the, a, a live element of partying during carnival. So we went to different events um, and, you know, explored a little bit of the island, did a little bit of surfing, um, you know, just showed like the animal flower forest, a little bit of the beauty island, a little bit of nightlife, what, you know, you can do while at carnival. You know, it's not just all partying. You can do some partying and other stuff. Um, that was one of the shows. And then the other show was a real deep dive into crop over um attending the party speaking to the people in the government speaking to the, the revelers you know um all of that so two explain, shows um, explain crop over crop over is our carnival in barbados um it happens on the first monday um in august which is to symbolize the end of the crop season uh, for sugarcane so then the cane is cut um, and then you end up with an eventual, you know, person uh -huh. um, who was crowned the king and queen of carnival. But it goes back to slavery days when the slaves were cutting the cane and they asked the uh, slave master for a day off. Um, and he gave them that opportunity because they had cut so much cane. And so that became what's known as Kudumen, Kudumen Day. Um, and so that's our carnival and it's called Crop Over. Did you just do this for the island of... Barbados, or did you include other islands? When I was first at Temple, we just did, I just hosted for Barbados. Right. And I moved to LA and started doing that stuff. Um, and then a couple of years later, 
and they got having the opportunity to do a travel show. Um, and we created this travel show, which then ended up back on Tempo. Um, and then also on One Caribbean TV here in the US. Um, and it went from there. We did three seasons, 36 episodes, and traveled all over <laughs> doing content for that. But that, I was director, cinematographer that was you know behind the camera, um, not in front of the camera. That must have been some fun. Yeah, it was. Got to see a lot of places, meet a lot of people, um, some places I'd love to go back. You know, you meet people, you make great relationships with them, you stay in touch, but you don't have a chance to maybe go back to. And so you haven't seen each other, and now all of a sudden life happens, and it's been five, six years, and they have a kid, and you know, like, but you still stay in touch, um, and you just hope that you can make it back there. What was that network that you founded or um, created in the um, Caribbean? Yeah, it was called Nexus Networks um, because Nex is us. So that was our slogan, and it was a lifestyle Caribbean TV network that we launched in uh, Cayman Islands. Um, there was an RFP put out in the region for persons to launch a TV lifestyle network uh, with an incumbent telecom. And fortunately for us, our business plan uh, won. And we had the opportunity to launch a television network where we created 37 and a half hours of original content um, for the region. That was a great opportunity to showcase a lot of skill sets. Um, I took on the role of chief operating officer and ran the company um, and did a lot of work uh, liaising with um, a lot of persons throughout multiple countries to be able to acquire content as well as create original content to, to travel, to create, um, <laughs> to take people off the streets and turn them into TV show hosts and editors and camera operators. And, you know, we produced a concert, uh, we produced. But what you also did, you create a lot of jobs for people. Yeah. Yeah, um, I spent personally uh, six years training I have a top six um, students, uh, one who's at NYU graduating uh, next year. The second one is always one of the top students at Toronto Film School, uh -huh. uh, you know, front page of the paper with the mayor of Toronto. Um, wow. He's really good. Um, and he, he was one that I had to have like some disciplinary kind of conversations with to make him understand how serious his talent was, but how much of a waste it would be if he kept, you know, going down the road each one. Um, and he made the right decision to go to Toronto and to go to film school and to be near his son, um, which was perfect. So, uh, there's him, there's another one in Toronto. Um, he is an incredible, uh, cinematographer and director. He does a lot of music videos, primarily um, throughout the Caribbean. So he's done videos for Kess and Shansia and a lot of big artists um, in the region. Uh, then you have Chela. She was um, a TV show host. Um, she was asking us, what can she do? What can she do? And we realized she had a gift for Gab, um, you know, made her do some work. And you know, if, if you look at her at the beginning, you look at her now on TV, um, you know, it's a, it's a stark difference, but it's great to see where people started from and recognizing that talent within them um, and, and just trying to pull it out and, and give back, um, you know, and, and spark something that can help our region um, step it up. It makes me smile to see how far you have come. Now, that being said, you acted in in um, films such as Hancock with Will, Will Smith and Charlize Theron. You've done commercials, Amco, and when you look back at your life at that point, before you moved into forming your own film company, 
how did you how did you feel at that point at that point you know i had this desire to do more than what i was capable of uh showcasing in la at the time um i think what tends to happen is you know the old saying 100,000 people move there every year after two years is 10 after four years is 100 there's you know a thousand after five years is 100 and then there's you so if you stick it out long enough in la you will find an avenue to some sort of level of success but you know i i i always would question what is that level of success because i would see people there who've reached certain levels and then there's just a you know this is all we're going to get to so you kind of plateau there um and i have this dogged determination that that's not going to you know it's not going to be where i end um i have so much to offer so i have to make sure that i don't just sit around and keep waiting for the offerings um i have to create a pathway to get those offerings out there i have to let people see and uh, you know you you mentioned something about how my mind works um and it's it's one of those things where i i i feel like there's something that i have to offer <laughs> so and it's not just one thing you know um what were you doing prior to 2020 where were you up till 2020 and and covid um so the last two years have been very um well now i look at every year is being very 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 strategically targeted specific but the last two years um i had to deal with uh healing um i i my clavicle popped out of my shoulder in 2017 um four days after that concert uh, just from wear and tear of months of non-stop work and i didn't have surgery until december 2018 two years ago uh, december 5th uh, two years and a day to the day um so I had the surgery to fix my shoulder and I knew that 2019 was going to be an entire year of just healing. Um, and I knew that, you know, from 2017 onwards was going to be the same and I had to prepare myself for the healing, which means I had to spend a lot of money, which means I'd be, you know, down money and then I'd have to figure out a way to come back up. So I knew it was going to be a, a, a tough two years of physical um, discomfort and pain and, and work and an uphill battle. Um, and I knew it was also going to be a financial uphill battle, uh, but I stayed locked into being just determined. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, that same determination to yeah. succeed um, by by you know at all costs, um, not by any means necessary, but by at all costs. So I think there's a great difference between the two. A lot of people don't know the difference between by any means necessary and at all costs. Um, by any means necessary is, you know, you may be willing to do something that stands against who you are just for success um, versus at all costs, meaning that you're willing to give each and every single last ounce of what you have and faith and belief that you will succeed, you know, and that's at all costs to yourself. Um, you know, you'll be willing to go without food. You'll be willing to go without sleep. You'll be, you make the sacrifices because you know what you have within you. Um, and there's a big difference between those two. And, and I think that that needs to be stated in, in this day and age, especially because um, you have a lot of people who want to succeed. They don't know what it looks like. Um, so they end up finding themselves in places and they hear things that people say and they think that's the way. And I see, unfortunately, you know, look at a lot of these young rappers that are out here getting killed for what <laughs> you know like it's starting to seem as though killing them is getting a reputation is more is better than actually having a career 
um, which is, sounds as dumb as it feels like what I'm seeing happening. You know, these guys can't even get out the gates and they're being killed by other young black men. Over what? Like, haven't we got enough issues and problems and worries that we're still doing this? We were doing this when I was a teenager, you know? So it's not by any means necessary. It, it has to be different. Beautiful. Now, <laughs> COVID comes along and we have a conversation. It doesn't stop you. You find a way to make things happen. Talk to me or talk to the audience about your COVID journey because I'm so proud of what you've been able to do. Even though at times I've been like, oh my God, please be safe, please be safe. <laughs> so, uh, um, you know, I'm one of these people I just said it in a, in a chat earlier today. You know, I, I was masked up before anybody else. <laughs> you know, I had a mask since January. Um, I traveled February 4th and I traveled with my mask. I was in Trinidad Carnival for a month. Every event I attended, I had on a mask. I was the only person there with a mask on. Everyone looked at me like I was crazy. And a month later, you know, we're in lockdown and we know the rest. Um, so I was also saying to myself that I did not want to have the same year that I had financially. I did not want to have the same year that I had uh, from a working perspective. I wanted to really showcase certain things and... Um, I was grateful for the lockdown. Um, I was really grateful for the pause, the opportunity to stop and to take stock of what it is that I really was trying to do. And also being grateful that it took away the pathway to the easy access to the things that I knew were available because I didn't want those things. But it was an opportunity to make a couple of dollars here and pay the bills. Okay, great. And it's still doing work and it's, you know, but it's just not the work that I want to do. Um, I want to do something else. And so I took it upon myself that when the city went um, silent, dark, empty, um, from the very first day, I went out and I started taking photos. And then, um, you know, I graduated those photos into videos. And that was happening uh, for a while until uh, the protests began. And then when the protests began, um, I started shooting the protests from a photography standpoint. But in the middle of the lockdown, I was also like, you know, got stories to tell so i called up 10 friends and said what are you guys doing you want to get together and make a movie and they said yeah um and so i wrote a script and we didn't really produce it like i would produce a movie normally i i left it very open-ended because there was multiple people who shot there was multiple people who did different things so um i kind of wanted to give everybody an opportunity to just you know have, have space to touch in all different realms um which means <laughs> That would have been the best idea in the end because we still need somebody to guide the ship. Um, and I tried my best still to do that. And we ended up with a, with a film. We ended up with a short uh, called Level that we make about a delivery guy. Um, I, I tell people that it is um, it's Hitchcock um, meets uh, Einstein meets Escher uh, meets my mind. Um, wow. So it, it's, it's an interesting uh, journey. Yeah, about this delivery guy. So, take it for what it is. Is it streaming somewhere? What's happening there? Yes, it's on YouTube. Um, you can look up Level, uh, L-E-V-E-L, Level M-S-H um, Productions. And mm -hmm. You'll find it. Okay. I had an opportunity to shoot a couple of music videos for uh, this guy, Fabio Foreign, who's a big, big, big hip-hop artist out right now. Um, famous Dex. Um, 
got to work with Mills Miller, um, director, who brought me into his team to start being his cinematographer, his go-to. So we, we shot a bunch of music videos, uh, Chinese Kitty, Black Poppy, did a documentary on Famous Dex. Um, then I got the phone call from a friend of mine, Fred, um, Fred Rocks, um, who I had done some Red Bull work with 10 years ago, and we've done a lot of other things. Last year, we did Tony Robbins together. And, like, we've, we've done a lot of little cool projects, Diamonds International, a couple of other smaller things, um, Charlotte's Web, etc. So we, he called me up, and he was like, hey, you know, um, Brad is going to give you a call, which is his partner, um, new partner company that they formed. And Brad was like, I got this Ciroc campaign. Um, you down to work? Ciroc, C-I-R-O-C, correct? Yeah, Ciroc Vodka. So he, I was like, okay, you know, what do you want me to do? He's like, you want to direct some commercials? I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, from there, uh, I went to town, treatments, ideas, creative concepts, um, you know, putting it all together. And they liked the concepts. And we, you know, have a great producer out in LA, Jill. Um, and we put together an all star team, you know, from cinematographer to um wardrobe and styling and casting and you know we we crushed the summer campaign diddy he posted it to his social media they said he doesn't really do that so if he did that he, he must really like it because they came back and i just directed four more uh for the holidays wow um, so they should be dropping during the holiday season uh, they've already put out a couple of the photos from it on their on their social media page uh, right now so if you see the three photos there those are stills from from the shoot so your body of work alone, just for this pandemic year, what do you have to say overall as you look back? Um, wow. Um, I'm grateful for this year. I am extremely grateful for this year. Um, there are a lot of people who've gone through a lot of things in this year. I, I lost my aunt a month ago, um, and I lost a dear friend last week. Um, it's it's been an interesting year of, of loss and gaining and the up and down and the roller coaster ride of, of life. But the one thing that it has been uh, is an opportunity. And if anyone was looking for an opportunity to start over and start fresh with a clean slate on an even playing ground with even the multimillionaires in the world, and I'm not just talking about from a financial standpoint, but I'm just talking about from a life standpoint, this was the year that you had that chance. Um, and if you survived 2020 and you have somehow figured out a way to boomerang yourself um, and springboard off of it, I think that, you know, the future can be very, very successful for a lot of people. Um, I, I researched 100 years ago when the last pandemic happened, um, and I used that as my blueprint for moving forward. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful for every little last bit of it. And everybody who was there to help, and everybody who was there to encourage, um, everybody who was there to pick up the phone and said, hey, come and do this thing, I want to you know, utilize and showcase your talent. Um, in the middle of it, I designed a web page for a friend that we just launched a month ago for a real estate company in Antigua, a lavish real estate company. We're doing social media for them. People are loving, you know, her, her site and, and opportunity for her to do more business, um, encourage her to leave her company and start her own company. So there have been a lot of different things that have happened in the year that I look at as a quote unquote body of work. Um, and I, I just take it 
um, I take it as a as a blessing. This year has been a blessing. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. I am so proud of you, of your past history, uh, of our past collaboration, of our relationship since then, when, um, and just to see what you're able to do by God's grace and your inventive mind um, in a in a time where many people are going through a lot. Some are just laying back and don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Some have the, um, some complain, uh, some feel stuck. Um, and there are others like you who have made, uh, this year a, a creative year. Um, you know, I really feel that there are people like you and others who have really done things to shine through and really are inspiring and um it was necessary really necessary for me to have you on to close this season just yeah. to build help build people up to sh show them that you know they step out and do something creatively because sitting back this year and speaking to so many people through the podcast through my facebook uh page etc to feel something there so so many so many people feel stuck they're just really stuck and i think it's important to kind of let people see what you have been able to do you and others have been able to do and um, um i really 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 appreciate your time just one quick word as to your thoughts as far as the the um politics of this world nothing grand but something that you may be looking forward to you know what's so funny is that i i just was sitting here saying to myself i'm so glad that uh we didn't talk about it <laughs> because i already knew what i would have said which is exactly what i'm going to say so i uh my success of this year was also because i stayed far away from politics i stayed far away from everything politics uh -huh. because it made absolutely no sense to me to be paying attention to that while the entire world was at pause. Oh. If the entire world is at pause and the millionaires are at pause and everyone is at pause and everyone is on this at home and everyone is trying to figure it out at the same time, why be distracted with people who are trying to get you distracted? You know, that's their whole purpose is to distract you from what it is that's really going on they have a focus that's fixed the pandemic you know like so i don't need to spend all my time listening to you and the people who were going to vote that needed to vote did what they needed to do right I, okay. so i stayed far away from politics um and that allowed me to have a clear head um it allowed me to stay out of arguments it allowed me to keep opinions and expressions to myself it allowed me to focus on what it is that i was trying to do and the same thing is you know if if you have an opportunity um in this year to advance yourself and you have all of this time to do so um you're not going to get that every day i'm 48 it hasn't happened in 48 years so i don't look forward in life and think oh yeah let me expect another you know stay at home pandemic order where the world shuts down maybe that'll happen in two years and then we can reset i it just it, it was a one-off take advantage of this one-off god gave us a chance you know really see that for what it is 
Wow. Thank you so much, Sean, for giving me this time. And um, my to my listening audience, thank you for spending your valuable time with us today. Please care to share and remember, when you're on your beat, stay on the sunny, sunny side of the street. Safely mask up. Sean. Ozzy. Love you. Thank you. I love you too. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening. Ciao. Ciao.